Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the football podcast but it is the last football podcast for a little while. It's the last one of the season technically, it's the last one of season 4 of the football podcast. Can you believe it? Season 4, 45 episodes in this season, booming. It's just going to be a short break, though. We're going to be back in a few weeks, so I don't know what I'm sad about. Um, anyway, before we get into the football, please do take a minute to like, share, subscribe, and comment. And if you do have more than a minute, you could consider leaving us a review. Right, that's that done. Let's get going. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Paul! She is once again correct, ladies and gentlemen, and for the final time, technically, of the 2021-2022 season, welcome along to your football podcast, where we'll strive to give you some ins and outs, ups and downs, roundabouts, and all-round terrible performances of the football world over the last seven days or so. Uh, so, what, what better place to start then? Then we'll dive into the England fixtures from last week. One of which I believe might get a bit more talking than the other, but we'll see. The book is in shot. I mean, you know, I can I can dilly dally as much as as much as you gentlemen would like, or we can get to the fact that England versus Italy was a nil nil draw. <sighs> Do, I mean, firstly, did anybody watch it? Uh, yes, parts of it. When people were saying it was an exact, uh, it, it was a repeat of the the fixture from the end of the Euros. I mean, we could have done with it being a little higher scoring than the first effort as well, but no, apparently not. Just to be a carbon copy, and it just, I, I don't genuinely remember that much of it apart from thinking, "Thank God that's over." To be fair. I mean, it was a very similar feeling, but we'll, we'll get to that about the next game. This was this was the one of the two fixtures we had last week, though, where it was officially behind closed doors, wasn't it? That had the uh, yes. the, the children in attendance, which I still think was a great way of getting the kids into it, and then they go and spoil it by sticking them a nil niller. I mean, I've got much to say about this one. <laughs> I saw bits and bobs of it. I can't really remember that much. I'm just, I'm just trying to, like, like I said, I didn't see any of it as I was out for the evening. But I'm trying to base some of my sort of stuff on the team that I can see, and I mean, it doesn't look as if like, 
on paper, you'd imagine if that if that was the team that was picked for the first game of the World Cup, you'd probably have a few questions. But mm-hmm. for the majority of the players, you'd say yeah, they're probably there or thereabouts. I mean, Ramsdale probably the first choice keeper, depending on how Pickford does for the first six months of the season. Uh, you could argue the back four is not really that sort of nailed on any of them really. But then you've got Declan Rice in midfield. Ward Prowse could get could have a shot at get, getting getting a game. Sterling Mountain Grealish is the three in behind the striker. Obviously the striker's not gonna be Tammy Abrams gonna be Harry Kane, but it's a team that's competitive and especially for Abraham well well, for Abraham and Tamori, they've spent all season playing against Italian players. So should know how they work and so like that. So I should have either known how to stop him scoring in Tamori's case, which obviously he did. Uh, but Abraham, you'd maybe have sort of thought he would potentially have a better chance of scoring based on the fact that he's played against some of their defenders at least a couple of times this season. So, yeah, a bit flat, really. Bit of a bit of a nothing game. Yeah, just, just uninspiring. Is the word I would, I would probably use. Looks like we'll have to skip on then. We'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to do the dissection of the uh, of the next debacle. So, I mean, touching, kind of not what kind of thing. Touching on the Tammy Abraham thing, though, like he scored a lot of goals in Serie A this year. So, how can a player? You know, and I know it's not an exact science because there's a lot of strikers who haven't scored a lot of goals for scored a lot of goals in the league and not scored a lot of goals for England over the years. But how, you know, generally, if a player's done well for a season, they can come into England and get, you know, score some goals or get some chances. And there didn't seem to be many chances from what I saw. Mm. So there's something, you know, I don't want to be like this overreactionary kind of thing, but there's obviously something wrong at the moment. We'll 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 get into that because I wanna I wanna ask you you fellas some questions after this next one. So something that is worth some well it's something isn't it from this game there are actually points. Yes, Stu, your confusion is valid. A nil nil. And plenty of goal scorers predicted for both sides. However, both Stuart Woodmancy and Matthew Moore predicted draws. Which nets them both a point. Points on the board. Beautiful stuff. And that's where we'll leave that. So we're going to move swiftly on to another England... Oh wait, yeah, it's going to be... England versus Hungary. Now, even I know that England have played Hungary previously and didn't have great time of it. I believe myself and Stu were on the same page. We were like, you know, they're going to have had a talking to. They're going to have been told what's what. They're going to come out stronger than last time and they're going to put points on the board, especially for us. Heavily predicted England to win. By the podcast crew. Even this guy was like, you know, they're in the room, I'll give them a goal kind of deal. So, 
those of us who don't know, who's going to do the duty of talking about this one? I'll, I'll, I'll give the uh, I'll give the score and then we'll and then we'll dive into the the dissection, as it were. So yes, this was the fourth round of the Nations League fixtures and the reverse of the previous Saturday's game. It was England versus Hungary. Uh, it ended with England not scoring again. Uh, however, Hungary managed to score four goals, which is a little bit ridiculous. There are some stats around this that we'll come to a bit later on. I'll, I'll keep those in the tank for after we've done the dissection or when we're sort of getting into the nuts and bolts and the meat of the matter. Uh, but the goals were scored by Sholai, Sholai, I think his name was. He he got two. Roland Sholai, two. Yeah, the, there was a goal for Jolt Nodge, although his name is his name looks like it should be Nagy, but apparently he's Nodge. And then the uh, the final goal scored in the 89th minute by Daniel Gazdag to uh, complete the uh, complete the round and uh, send home the. Thirty or so thousand at Melanie, thoroughly miserable. <laughs> Not gonna Twitch. lie, I'm really glad you did the goal scorers because of the three, I, I was good with Gazdag. The 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 other two, that's not how I would have said either of those na those names. So thank you, Mr. Williams, for taking that bullet. No worries. Saying about the crowd being miserable, did we uh, did we all see? Even the, the, the first game back in front of fans at Molyneux, and they all tripped out, didn't they? A lot of them will have missed that last goal because there was a lot of people leaving. Yeah, there were the the stands did look thoroughly threadbare at the 85th minute or so. So the whole thing was just embarrassing. Like I decided to punish myself twice by thinking, I'll not go for a run until the football's on, and I'll watch the first half whilst I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> and so, which must have been amazing for my neighbours that were maybe walking down the street at the time, so there's just noises coming from our garage that resemble, what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to watch football whilst being on a treadmill ever again. Well, all I could think was, you really are a glutton for punishment, aren't you? Get on the treadmill and watch England play football. Uh, what, well, lesson less learned. That, that's it for me now. Not not anymore. But, I, I mean, I was texting you guys afterwards, one not I? And genuinely, my, the overlying description of how England approached that game, for me, was just ground netball. That, like, for whatever reason, between the Italy game and... Um, the Hungary game every single thing they did especially in the first half it was like they couldn't take more than one touch it was just everything was just a tap 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 it was just pass was going straight back and then Hungary were pressing so of course they were there just to take the ball every single time and it's just it was just not good and there was no other plan to it they just kept hammering at it and nothing happened like nothing happened until obviously, then in the 16th minute, uh, Saloy, as he as he was, got through and and smashed it in. But I think at that point, 
they'd had two touches. Hungary had, had two touches in England's box, which was the initial touch to tee it up, and then the second touch to volley it in. Everything else had just been in the middle of the park. It was just terrible, like all round. It was one of them. They were, they were cancelling each other out. Neither team particularly going anywhere. And after me and you, Andy, being convinced that they were going to come out all guns blazing, couldn't have been any more wrong. But then still had that stupid thing of, well, it's, you know, they're, they're down at half-time. Surely, surely they're going to do it now. Not a right lot changed second half. Like, I watched the first half, and then well, I was like, oh, I'm going to the shop. Went into the shop, and then it's like, well, this performance is just going from bad to worse. I was like, I couldn't have really got much worse than what I left in the house at like half time. And uh, oh yeah, they're now it's now three 0 And then John Stones promptly got sent off. I got back to the house and I missed the fourth goal because I was like, oh, I can't be bothered with that. Well, to be honest, the, the reason which made me a hundred percent not turn the telly back on was uh, when they're like, oh yeah, they're going to bring Harry Maguire on. I'm like, because we're three 0 down down to 10 men yeah you don't want to concede any more goals do you so let's you know make sure we bring a defender on to really shore it up at the back because you know we're really in this game right now we, you know we've got, to, we've got to keep it safe at the back because a 3-0 win a 3-0 loss yeah we want to keep it at that place it's just bizarre I I don't know what's happened. I know, like, I know, like, some of the stuff I've seen from Southgate saying we've got to get used to keeping the ball because when we're in Qatar, we can't just run around and play Premier League football all the time. And I understand that, but you know, I think someone when I was listening to the radio, they were like, "Oh, you know, this isn't the team that'll start in Qatar." I'm like, well, I bloody well hope not. But also, can anybody inform me who is going to be playing instead? Because of that team that was there that played last night. There was only, what, from my kind of thing, there's only two, maybe three changes that I could see coming in. And there weren't players that are going to make a massive amount of difference. You know, you're telling me Luke Shaw's going to make a difference to that team? No. Is Declan, Declan Rice might make a bit of a change to that team? All right. But I think... Nothing... No, sorry, you can't. I just couldn't see any kind of like, you know, maybe it's doom and gloom and it's typical kind of English reaction to a, to a poor set of results. And, you know, God, Bobby Robson before the 90 World Cup was, you know, people calling for his head and stuff like that, which is fine. But I've never seen such a pointless set of four games and, had to see no direction to the team. And it's this kind of, you know, the quote from Kane today saying, oh, people are forgetting what we did six months ago. Yeah, mate, because you do not look like anything like that team. It is, it is strange that, that, to see how like how far the team's, like, I suppose fallen's a bit of an, exa- an over-exaggeration, but dipped. If you look at like, where they were 12 months ago, obviously well, they were the final of the of the European Championships. This forms part of what I want to ask you guys about, but I feel like we might need to take a little bit of a break. So, I I am a man that hate, hates to uh, disrupt the flow, but I feel that there's probably a lot of meat on the bone here, so 
it's a great place to take a small break. I know we've only just really started, uh, but we'll take a small break and uh, we'll get stuck in in a minute. Recording in progress. So, let's start back up again then. So, I think the main thing for me that I highlighted was that he can't, he can't go into the tournament with a blase attitude of, we don't need to pick a left back. We've got players that can play. We've got right backs that can play on the left. Um, so, like, I know that the Italy game, he had Kieran Trippier playing out at left back. Which he has played there before. I think he played there in the semi-final against Croatia. Um, or maybe it was... I, I can't, he's definitely played in big games for England there before. But it, it just highlighted that the, the amount of times that Reese James was playing on the left of the, of the four last night, and the amount of times that he would get the ball and then just have to sort of check his run to come back onto his right to then deliver the ball into the box or pick a pass out with his right foot as well. It just completely shut, like, shut down that avenue on that side of the pitch for any sort of attacking build-up. I know they tried to fix that in the second half by pushing it to a more of a back five with him as a right wing-back and Saka as a left wing-back. Um, but, yeah, I think it just happened to me that he, he, needs, he needs to basically pick specific players for their position rather than just relying on utility players who can fill a space. So my, my thing sort of was going to like be that ever since that game finished, the second the game finished, they started rolling out all the stuff about the Hungary game was the biggest home defeat in 94 years. And, oh, it's... It, terrible and you know they're, they're gonna they're now facing the prospect of relegation from the top tier of the nation's league firstly we've we've the nation's league to me still not really a thing yet not really there it's not an established tournament i'm not really that asked and if they do get relegated from this magical top tier that's clearly full of the world's best teams like Hungary, then you know surely they'll they'll win a few more games in theory you'd have thought next time around so whatever but all this stuff of late when England sort of the prospects have been high and like you know they've done well in the Euros and all the stuff before it they've had a pretty settled team it's been the same players in and out so really when it came to these four games and it was widely publicised beforehand that these were going to be the games where he would be bringing in players for debuts and testing them out and stuff and seeing people like Jared Bowen and Reese James and Sunday League competition winner Conor Gallagher um, like is it really that much of a surprise that it didn't work because they're not used to playing together as a team. They've had two weeks worth of training sessions, whereas the team that went into the Euros and and, and the games before that have been playing together an awful lot longer. What like what do you guys think? I, I get I get your point from a, like 
from like a basics point of view. For me, that I think it's more of a case of the squad as a whole probably hasn't changed that much. So obviously, the squad. Obviously, we don't we don't see how the squad trains and things like that. We don't see the exact sort of games that they play and things like that. But you would imagine that at some point they'll have maybe a couple of extra players on standby that'll just go with the squad to train, but won't be officially involved in the games. And it'll be a case of they'll do like the first eleven versus the the, the second choice. Well, I say the second choice, like the, the players that are involved in the starting lineup. Let's call it that. Um, and then you'll maybe tweak a couple and you'll take a couple out of the first 11 and put them in with the sort of the, the unused subs and such and such so that they know that if they're going to be playing in that system that they're drilled in that position they know exactly where they're going to play um, so it shouldn't come as that much of a surprise when it comes to actually playing competitive games really and that's but that's, that's what I mean though that, that's fine but this is the first time that some of those players have been involved in that, so this is still kind of new, and they didn't have the luxury of being the players that were sat on the sidelines whilst the first team, as if you like, you know, took care of it. They were there, they, like, like somebody like somebody like I'm, I'm going to keep picking on him, obviously, because I've seen him play the most out of all of them. But somebody like Jared Bowen, in them four games for England, I would say the positive that we take from that is that he got his England debut because. He didn't really get much chance to do anything else because the way that that team was set up, if, if you saw him play for West Ham during the season and seen them four England games this, this past week or so, you wouldn't even think it was the same guy because it that team, he was put out there, think, oh great, a bit, bit of width in the England team. How many times did they pass it to him? The entire four games, you can count on like, like one hand still. And, the, the, and then because he wasn't getting used, a couple of times that the ball did get played over the top to him down the wing, he had a bit of a hard time with it, I thought. Like, they, they weren't... It's weird that... Like, I guess it kind of goes back to what you were just saying a minute ago about picking the players for the positions, but also then for the system, because yes, great, he got... You know, he'd give, he'd give the width, but they didn't. they weren't playing that kind of setup, so it was a bit pointless in being there. I think... I think... Southgate sometimes gets himself into like the populist kind of picks and there was a clamour for Gallagher to be in the squad, there was a clamour for Bowen to be in the squad, there was a clamour for like three or four people that are in the squad this time that I'm not saying didn't deserve to be in there but sometimes it's kind of like well I'm going to pick them for picking them safe and it sounds awful but there's every potential that Bowen and Gallagher could be Obviously, not one cap wonders, but they could be single figure caps because this might be their chance. And everyone will go, Well, they were shit. But they were shit in a shit England side. And yeah. I'm not saying that they were, it's not my opinion of what they what they were. I just think it's this, it's gonna be this kind of like like negative mark against them because they were involved in this shambles, basically. That, you know, I know they've got to get these games in because no doubt UEFA have got TV partners to answer to, so then they've got to tart up the friendly matches that players don't turn up to. And the thing is, like, you know, I, th- I think I, s- I heard somewhere or read somewhere, oh, well, you know, it's just a it's just a 
friendly with a fancy name, someone had said. And you're like, yeah, but we'd be kicking off if it was a 4-0 loss to Hungary in a friendly match. Because, you know, it happened. it's happened in the past where a friendly match has been a 1-0 loss to somebody obscure. Not obscure, but like somebody who's not in the top 10. And for whatever reason, England fans, because we, you know, because we've won so many things since in the past what fifty years, think that we deserve to be beaten like everybody, no matter what. And I, I don't know. It, it just seems that it just the whole thing seems to have been a completely pointless exercise. Um, oh. This, this was the other two, that it was like a two-part thing that I was going to ask you guys as well and see what you think too. So you said there about the um, it, it being a, a tarted-up friendly. My interpretation of the fact that they set up this whole Nations League thing in the first place was because they didn't want the pointless friendly to be a thing anymore. They, so that to encourage the, the countries effectively to still be bringing their best teams to the game. Firstly, was that ever really going to happen, especially with such a packed fixture list for the the top players, particularly this season where they've, they've you know it's well documented about the, the Liverpool players having sixty three games and all that nonsense, um, all of which you know the referees weren't on their side because they're not Man City, Jurgen Klopp. Um, but like, ha, has has the Nations League then actually had the effect that they wanted in that regard? I think it becomes like a. I think it becomes a backup thing for teams. So, like the year that England got to the final, did we get to the fact we got to the, like the final of the first one, didn't we? And because England fans were so starved of any kind of success, it was like, ooh, we've got to the final of the Nations League thing, and you're like, no one gives a shit. It's like winning the Intertoto Cup, um, you know, and. Whereas, like, this time, obviously Italy haven't qualified for the World Cup and they've put a bit more emphasis on it. Obviously, they're in a bit of a kind of flux because, you know, like, they haven't qualified for the World Cup. A lot of their players are, are, are older and they're trying to, like, blood young players, which, you know, is kind of the theory of what England were doing, but we're also in the process of going to the World Cup in six months' time. <laughs> I don't know... It, the unfortunate thing is the the emphasis that fans put on it, and not, not myself, but other fans are going to put on it, is going to be different to what the managers and the players put on onto it. Because it's never going to be a World Cup or European Championship. and un, But unless you haven't qualified for either and you've kind of got, your, got to get yourself out of the kind of big, deep, shitty hole that you've dug yourself into... But it's lovely because England will have some lovely trips to Malta and uh, you know Andorra and wherever else they're going to think, and they'll love it because they'll win. You know the England fans will love it because it'll be five, six, seven nil for every single match of the Nations League. And uh, you know, so what you're saying ball. is then back into a qualifying campaign again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it won't it won't be quite that that drastic. The drop-off won't be that bad. So, obviously, there's four different subsections of the oh, Nations yeah. League. So, you've got A through D, 
with your groups. I think there's four groups in, there's certainly four groups in group A. Um, and I was explaining this to a guy at work today. So the way, like, I think, I think there is some validity to it because the whole point of it was that rather than like the minnows, like San Marino, Faroe Islands, Andorra, et cetera, et cetera, rather than them trying to scrabble around to find, find like friendlies against, I don't know, Ghana or Tahiti or something like that, rather than them having to sort of go out of their way to try and find games that might be competitive for them, if they just put the teams that are in a similar ranking position to them in the same groups, it means that they're not just going to go away somewhere and get humped 8-0 in a game. The games are going to be more competitive because you've got teams that are ranked in a similar fashion based on the talent level of their players or the perceived level of their players. Um, the other the other bonus that comes with it is that it offers it offers like a secondary route into the major tournaments. So when it, when Scotland qualified for Euro twenty twenty, they only did that because of the because of the they did it off the back of the fact that they'd won their Nations League group. So winning their Nations League group gave they guaranteed them a playoff berth for the European Championships. So for the smaller teams, there's going to be Scottish people out there saying that I'm saying that Scotland's a small nation. It wasn't the intention. But for the smaller nations like North Macedonia, for example, that's the same way that they got into the European Championships, that by winning the, their, their subsection of the tournament as a whole, it, there is actually like a carrot at the end of it in the fact that there's that. And the thing that will be a knock-on for England, if they do get relegated out of the top group, is that their ranking points will slip. So they might not be a top seed in the next set of qualifying for the next European Championships if it goes that far. Um, so this is another thing I was explaining to a guy at work today. So the reason why Wales have now been able to qualify for so many tournaments in a row is because they played, they obviously they had better players that came through, but they got to the point where instead of being in the same pot as teams like Andorra, San Marino, Liechtenstein, they were guaranteed to get a team like that in their qualification group, which meant they were more likely to be higher up in the group. So there is some merit to it. I think it's just it's just one of those things that the more it gets played, the more people will start to sort of care about it and think it's actually a worthwhile thing. That. <laughs> I suppose the only other thing I had really from the game was that it sort of highlights just like I know I, I, I never really thought you'd say that like a defensive midfielder was a key like sort of position from a holding it all together but it, it goes to show how much England miss Declan Rice when he doesn't play oh, thank God for that I thought you were going to say Henderson I thought I was like John Henderson it's yeah. fine Yes, because obviously the people who've tuned into the last three or four years' worth of podcasts have definitely heard my undying love for England's generational midfield captain. <laughs> was no, like, thank you. Like I said last night, the uh, the Yorkshire Pelo, or as I renamed him, the Headingley Henderson, did a perfectly good Jordan Henderson impression yesterday, Calvin Phillips of, 
being just about like two yards behind the ball or the person carrying the ball at any one time. I mean, I've never seen it. I, I know, like, I know, he's spent most of the most of the season out. But Christ Almighty, every single one of the challenges that uh, Calvin Phillips put in last night was way worse than the second yellow card that John Stones got, and yet nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that second yellow was an absolute disgrace. It, it was. It was a joke. And the fact that because it was a yellow card, VAR couldn't intervene is another sort of shocking indictment of how bad he is as a system. Um, but, yeah, that's that's just his game, though, isn't it? He's, he's, he's always been a little bit rash in the challenge, a little bit nasty with, a, like, a late foot here and there and stuff like that. That's just, that's just part of Barcelona's game, but... I, I said it when he got called up. I don't know why he was in the squad when he, he, he should have basically been using the the break to focus on his fitness. He should have been using that to get back match fit. And I know you can say, oh yeah, but he played the games to get match fit. No. He just needed to sort of... He's probably still a little bit injured, let's be honest. He's probably not 100% fit, so why don't they just let him have the break, let him relax, let him actually rehab fully and then go again for the start of next season. But... Just a strange, a strange one for me. I think Conor Gallagher was in based on his work rate because there's been games this season where he's covered like 12 miles or something in a game. Or there might have been 12 kilometres. But either way, either way like his, the shift that he puts in is unbelievable um, at times for Crystal Palace. So. There's a huge difference between running a long way and being any good at it. Like... <laughs> He, I know that I've already slated him already, but man, he was terrible last night. Like, I don't think, I don't think any, I don't think you can say that any of the any of the players came out with any sort of like credit or positive impact that they had on the game. Even Sterling, when he came on, like, you're fair enough, he ran about a bit, but the amount of times he overran the ball or just ran over the ball was. He, when Sterling came on, it would be, obviously it was too far gone anyway. He just, he, he, you could just see by his demeanour that he really just could not give any less of a fuck what he was doing last night. Like, if it came off great, if it didn't, bah, what's it matter? Like he was just not interested in that by the time he came on. I think that was. I think someone someone had said something about oh you know these players they kind of oh, you can say that this, the end of the season's coming the, the end of the season's over and oh the hungry players have just finished you know like well was it Styles who played for Barnsley he probably hadn't played in a month yeah he has not played in a month you know even if he played you know even if he played in the last game of the season he's not played for a month so he's kind of had a rest you know a lot of the England players literally the season finished and they've gone straight to play. You know, and I don't know, you know, it, it seems unnecessary to play four games in 10 days after you've played a season where it's all been condensed down, like we're still coming, you know, and then we're going to go straight into another season. Be- before we do wrap on the uh, the England stuff, though, I would just like to give a special mention to um fairly new pundit, Ashley Cole, who... Uh, rolled out the, the joke on behalf of all dads last night by saying that Hungary definitely looked more hungry for it. No, no. Mm. Oh, dear. 
I've got, got a few. Well, I've got a few. I've got a few stats based on the the the, the sheer severity of the loss that I've uh, that I've plucked from the Sky Sports app. Uh, obviously, Stuart mentioned it was the first, it was the worst home defeat for England since 1928 when they lost 5-1 to Scotland. Um, but continuing on the trend, Hungary became the first team to score four goals in an away match against England since. That's correct. Hungary, when they won 6-3 at Wembley in 1953. This was England's first defeat by four or more goals since May 1964 when they lost 5-1 to Brazil in a friendly only the second time England have lost by four or more goals without scoring, along with a 5-0 defeat to Yugoslavia in May 1958, and the first time ever on home soil. Uh, England have gone four consecutive matches without a win for the first time since a run of five in 2014. And finally, England have scored just one goal over a period of four games for the first time since a run between October 2006 and March 2007. And I'm pretty sure that means the last two the sequence is where they've scored one goal in a period of four games. The last two times that's happened, it's both been with ex-Middlesbrough managers. And you can also add, add to that list, seeing as they wheeled it out on TV quite a lot um, during the game, was that they've now, it must be getting on for seven hours since they've scored from open play. Yeah, not so, great. putting out the best England team we can, I see. <laughs> so to wrap up the game I alluded to this earlier um, every single person on the podcast even a 1-0 from this guy had England down to win quite heavily um, what makes it that little bit I don't know how you want to slice it Matthew Moore was the only person to predict a hungry goal scorer and didn't get one of the three that actually <laughs> scored goals, which means we're all having bagels for tea. No points out of this game, which means it's a draw for the week total. So, Matt, Stu, pick your weapons, and I'll see you in the arena. For the fight to the death to win the week. <laughs> now then, as far as predicting football, that that's it. That's it. Look, look. look, look. I mean, unless unless we want to unless we want to predict what score my game next Monday will finish. Uh, I've, got, I've got quite two. a serious year five game going on at school at the moment. Never come to that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, for the. Uh, for the, I'm pretty sure by legal reasons we're probably not allowed to pick goal scorers there. No. <laughs> no, I don't want any. Like, we'll, we'll go with the Scottish formula. We'll just go with trialist A, trialist <laughs> B, etc., etc. You're gonna have a, you're gonna have a hell of a lot of paperwork to fill out those. So. I, I was gonna say I really don't need any DPA requests coming through. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm good on that front because I hear that they're uh, a nightmare to complete. So. Nothing to predict. Reviews are done. Presumably that brings us on to news. Well, seeing as seeing as we've just been talking about youngsters scoring, just a little mention for our podcast favourite, Keen Lewis Potter. 
who uh, scored for England under twenty ones two minutes after being brought on. Um, I mean, that England side did win five nil, so you know they obviously knew what the hell they were doing. Um, but yeah, so quite quite happy to see him playing, but also as well him uh, managing to to notch a goal as well. On the slightly kind of negative side of that, um, old Jed Middle Middles Middlesbrough's own Jed scored a first minute goal. I knew it. I knew as soon as the season was done, you'd want nothing to do with him anymore. But being as he's off to Spurs because the lure of Champions League football is too much. Listen, yeah. it's um, not. It's not that. It's nothing to do with the Champions League football. He just really wants to play in a toilet bowl. <laughs> He's never he's never been able to get front row seats for the Champions League before, and now we'll be able to watch it from the bench, so it's fine. Hey. <laughs> but also, Huddersfield fans, have a look at yourselves, because apparently him and James Garner got booed every time they touched the ball when they were yeah. on the night. I mean... It, apparently it happened as soon as the teams were read out. God's sake. So, yeah, I can, I can see a situation where um, if, if they ever come up against Huddersfield again, they'll take... Great joy in uh, putting them to the sword. Let's put it that way. But it's not going to be next season, is it? Yeah. Yeah. News-wise, I've got very little. Um, obviously, we're, we're we're recording this the podcast again, updated somewhat. But um, the fixtures are released tomorrow for the Premier League teams. So Nottingham Forest will know who their first game in the top flight in twenty. Three years yeah. will be against. There's rumours doing the rounds that it was it was leaked earlier in the uh, in the week. So what what is it? Leeds. Leeds. Good afternoon. So the, the leak the leak earlier in the week was that it was going to be Crystal Palace at home. So we'll see and see what happens. But for the interest of for the interest of just like something to sort of. Uh, link back to let's have let's have some uh, let's have some guesses what what we think they might get. I'll go well, <laughs> you'd, you'd like to think that the newly promoted team gets a big name when when it happened to Hull. We had Chelsea away. Yeah, that was quite... like but the but there was a season where they had Leicester at home. And, and Fulham, Fulham at home is also. Fulham at home is one. I wonder whether they try and it, and you get the two kind of sob stories of the Premier League slash kind of thing. So whether it's like a Forest Leeds situation, whether you get that kind of thing, because they'll enjoy that. Oh, you know, here's Forest. They've had twenty three years, but oh, don't forget Leeds. They really fucked themselves for a bit, so they kind of spent some time down in League One. Sorry, is it is it an option to forget Leeds? Is that is that on the te- can can we? Is that just I just Sky, want... Sports, Sky Sports will never let that happen. Good God, you know, if, you know, if we've not got Liverpool to talk about or the Spuds or something like that, we're definitely going to talk about Leeds at some point. I I'd like to I'd like to throw forward the suggestion that. There's going to be the whole sort of, oh, they haven't had a top flight fixture in 23 years. Who are they going to get? Who are they going to get? And it'll be Bournemouth. Oh, it probably will be. It's probably, yeah. If, if not, it'll be... Fulham. No, it'll be it'll be like kind of the dregs, Brighton or something like that. 
Someone, yeah. someone that they've played within the last couple of years or something like that. Like or just Brentford. no one's going to give a monkeys about. No one's going to give a toss about Forrest going to Brighton and their 17,000 seater <laughs> brand new stadium. Like, oh, come on, folks. Like, you know, no one's going to be... Kind of, it's either that or it'll be something splashy where Forrest get absolutely stuffed, like Liverpool or something like that. Purely for, purely for the link to the podcast. I'm I'm gonna throw Newcastle in there. <laughs> well, that'll be devastating because that I mean we probably won't be able to get tickets for that game. No. <laughs> if it's Newcastle away, we'll be like, yeah, oh, we're gonna go to that game. No, we're not because there's not a chat kind of house chance of us getting a ticket. I I remember a few few years back, back in back in my day, of being a little bit more around football, shall we say. And there being a leak, and it was subsequently changed, so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise because because all the clubs will have the fixtures obviously now, but it's all unbongoed until uh, they do practice runs, don't they? And they probably send out yeah. false stuff. And the clubs the clubs will have them. And they say they're they're not allowed they're not allowed to make anything of it until I think it's nine a.m. tomorrow morning. So. The second 9am hits, it'll go live on every every club's website, all over Sky Sports News, and be able to find out, say, who the first game is, who the last game is, and who the Boxing Day game is are usually the three that folks look for. Yeah. But it'll also highlight the international Christmas World Cup break this time around, won't it? So, that. Speaking, speaking of the World Cup break, um, the last place was sorted out this week it was between New Zealand and Costa Rica uh, and Costa Rica were the, the team who managed to make their way through so they are the final team to take their place in Qatar and FIFA has now con- this is all this is again taken from Sky Sports FIFA has confirmed the first two rounds of matches will kick off at 1 4 7 and 10 p.m. local time which means 10 1, 4 and 7pm UK time. So, there's a distinct possibility that a lot of people will be unwell for the first couple of weeks of the uh, the tournament. Um, kick-off times of the final round of group games and knockout round matches will be at 6pm and 10pm local time, 3pm and 7pm UK time. Finally scheduled to kick off at 6pm uh, local time, 3pm UK time. So plan your uh, sick days accordingly. Australia beat Peru as well, didn't they, to qualify? Yeah, I think that was the week before, maybe. I don't think we covered it though, did we? Oh, did we not? Yeah, so Australia and Costa Rica in the top. We dropped the. We missed the biggest thing of kind of talking about terrible kind of absolute shit shows. Of uh, of course, the ongoing saga of Derby is uh, is carried on. And uh, US businessman Chris Kirchner and his delightful wife um, are no longer in the running to buy Derby. So, joy all round for everybody because uh, they started running their mouths nice and loud as Forrest went up. And, uh, well, they've been running their mouths ever since they bought Derby. And now they haven't bought Derby. And soon, it, by the look of it, it's going to turn into a good old. Mike Cashley's, uh, you know, sports emporium. 
Surely it'd, be, surely it'd be Mike Cashley's quick, quick and easy fire sale, Sean. The best thing I read today was was that a Derby fan was worried that he would not pay the creditors, and therefore, because he refused to, which, which would then plunge them into fifth, minus 15 at the start of the season. I'm like, oh my God, anything could get me really, really excited for the start <laughs> of the season would be kind of, you know, Forest in the Premiership. I mean, I don't care if it's like, it could be 15 nil for all I care, but if they're on minus 15 points, it'll just be a joyous occasion. Well, it's all right, though, because they'll just go the Leeds route, won't they? And they'll, uh, they'll dedicate squad number minus 15 to the FA and they'll have page number minus 15 in the programmes for that season and stuff like that. And then hopefully they'll get beaten by Doncaster in the playoff final. So that, that just hammered home how stupid they were at the time because the page numbers went 12, 13, 14, minus 15. I mean, I know there were people there with a lot of fingers, but... You know, even they can't count, can they? Really? So, <laughs> and on that absolute bombshell, <laughs> oh, I've just I've just checked the numbers, and uh, the uh, the listeners the listeners in Derby have uh, officially exited the building. Um, that's it. It is it for what what is probably quite a short space of time, but it gives you a chance to put your feet up, get uh, rehabbed. And get back to the game in a few weeks. Um, we will keep an eye on the football world and uh, gather up all the stories, all the news, all the previews, all the tidbits, and everything in between. And we'll bring them back to you in a mere matter of weeks. All that's left is for me to thank these gentlemen for season four, series four, 40 something episodes of football delight join us for season five that's right until then thanks from me to these guys thanks from these guys to you guys and thanks all round we shall catch you next time bye bye so there you go what do you think of that end of a season but not end of an era Really, because we're going to be back very soon. A couple of weeks, a few weeks, maybe. Something like that. Big thank you to everybody that's listened. Big thank you to the gentlemen that do the podcast. Paul, Stu, Matt. Big thank yous all round. Before you go, if you've got a spare minute, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. And uh, if you do have any time extra, you could leave us a review. Tell us how much you love the podcast. And if you're uh, coasting around the internet, you could drop in on our website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button for you to get in touch with us. That is it for this one. That is it for this season. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then.